join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Today, we get to speak with Matt Tinsley and Carrie Ball. Uh, Matt and Carrie are both awesome people who I got a ton of respect for, and um, they worked together for a number of years, and they both have a tremendous amount of experience, and I would say a very um, organized and efficient way of approaching their business. And I think this will be um, an awesome conversation, and I, I'd all but guarantee that we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot. So I'm gonna get them on the line right now, and uh, and we'll get going. Let's go to Carrie first. Hi, Andrew. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I put uh, I grabbed you first, uh, so I'm going okay. to patch. Madden, so just hang tight, okay? Sure, no problem. Andrew. Hola, senor. Are you there? I am, yeah. Here we are. Let me, uh, I'm just going to merge Carrie in, okay? Hang on one sec. Okay, no problem. Okay, do I have you both? You have me. Yeah, I'm here. Good morning, good morning. <laughs> Talk to me one at a time about what you ate for breakfast this morning, and then I'll, uh, I'm going to check your audio. <laughs> I had uh, vanilla almond uh, special K and some coffee and a little bit of orange juice. Okay. And Carrie? I had a chocolate granola bar. <laughs> <laughs> no gummy bears, Carrie? No gummy bears yet. <laughs> okay. That is amazing. I, I actually thought you were going to say you had a Snickers, Carrie, I thought, or, or some sort of chocolate bar, but, but I guess that's like a well, breakfast chocolate bar. I did uh, I get save on to do a delivery today, and one of the things was a big packet of Snickers bars. <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, let's dive in. Um, thanks for doing this. I, I no thought um, you guys have a really, well, what my perspective of you guys is that you are... Um, incredibly precise, organized, and efficient in the way you operate. And it seems as though, again, from my chair, that nothing you ever do is an accident. I think that you're very thought through in a lot of your processes. So um, I wanted to discuss this morning, or at least start this morning, by asking um, you some specific questions about how you're handling situations in today's market. So being cognizant of the fact that we don't really want to talk over top of one another, I'll start with you, Matt, and then Carrie, I'll come back to you. But I want to know, um, Matt, maybe bring up a property that you've been involved in, uh, either on the listing or buying side, um, a multiple offer situation. Do you have one top of mind that's in the last couple of weeks? Yeah. Yeah. So is it a, is it a seller or a buyer? A seller. A seller. And... Uh, did you end up with five offers, ten offers? Give me, give me the maybe, give me the um, the high level on on where it was, what happened, how many offers, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so East Abbotsford um, basement entry, legal suite, um, but you know a little bit smaller. Like the garage was used up for the suite, so it's it's more or less your entry level into a house with a suite would be how I would describe the price point. Um, we priced at, uh, 749. We had about 
40 plus showings over the course of three days. And we had eight offers, um, which one was accepted. It did actually have subjects on it, which is rare in this market right now. Interesting. Uh, but subject removal is slated for today and, uh, and all looks good that it will go through. Um, and, uh, yeah, and you know, the, the week wait on subjects should be well worth it with the price that we're at. So I know that this is a current offer, so I, I, I'll be, you know, careful of, you know, not to put you in, uh, places with questions you can't answer, but, um, was this, you chose this offer cause this was the obvious one for price. There wasn't, there Correct. wasn't, got it. And so, yeah. um, let's take, you know what, because this is still in process, I want to ask you a question then generically about that situation, not that situation, but in general, um, what's the thought process you go through when you've got, let's say eight, 10, 12 offers and you're about to go meet with your sellers. What are you doing in the hour leading up to that time with those offers and Carrie, this is maybe where you can jump in on, um, you know, how you're a part of that, but what are you guys doing, uh, in terms of your preparation and mindset and your strategy leading into that conversation with the seller? So uh, I can start and then Carrie can add anything on, on her side. But uh, in that hour, I'm obviously fielding a lot of calls from realtors trying to figure out how many offers there are, what the situation is, how it's all looking. As offers come in, I'm um, printing them out actually and putting them basically in order of strength. Um, so that I have everything organized in my own mind. And I'm looking at then, you know, if you have 10 offers and, and yeah, this, this one that was ongoing, maybe I'll talk about one I did just before Christmas. Cause sure. that's a, that's a firm deal. But yeah. uh, on the one before Christmas, similar situation, East Abbotsford was a suite and we had, I think it was 10 offers, 10 or 12 offers, but you can quickly eliminate some that aren't, are not in contention. Mm -hmm. um, so I spend very little time on them. I see, you know, if there's things that are very strong about them, like they're subject free and a lot of the other ones aren't, well, then, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with that realtor, make sure they know they're competing. Is that really their client's best offer? All that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, then I'm basically, as offers come in, I'm, I'm putting them in order of strength. Um, when I have a couple offers that are near the top, I'll often call the realtor before I go meet with my client get a feel for, you know, whether they're subject free or not, but, you know, who are they using as a broker? Are they fully pre-approved? Can they send me anything? If it is subject free, do they have the deposit check in hand? I'm just trying to gather all the information I can, because if you have two offers that are very similar, yeah, you want the one that's going to have the least headache and be super smooth and, and go, you know, how you anticipate it would. Mm -hmm. So basically that's what I'm working through is just putting everything into what I feel is the, the strongest order, making sure I have all the information I need so that when I then sit down with my client, we have, you know, a very, very clear picture of who these people are, what their situation is. And, you know, if we need to go back to anyone, we kind of have a clear picture of what's going on. Okay. So you guys, I mean, you're a duo. And so you get to divide up tasks that one agent would typically do all on their own in between the two of you. So Carrie, speak to the important things administratively as you see it from your chair in that situation leading up to that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, with this kind of market, with things just happening really fast, my role has been more like slowing things down in the back end mm. and 
making it so that no matter if it's appearing fast for the seller, there's still consistency on the back end. So for example, even if I know offers are going to be presented and maybe it's going to be sold, I'm still, you know, preparing up Facebook ads and sending that to the client so that they can see what we've done and, you know, doing custom seller updates every week for our seller so that it's still consistent, even though things are happening fast, if that makes sense. Interesting. So you're still thinking long game, like you're putting yeah. in the month to two month plan, even though in the environment you're going, we're selling this thing more than likely in seven days. Yeah. That way they're, you know, they're still receiving a copy of the flyer that went out and copy of the feature sheet and all the ads. And they're seeing what we're doing for them. Um, just to kind of slow it down a little bit so that they know that we're working for them on both ends, both, you know, the marketing's still going and, you know, Matt's doing his, his role with all the offers and everything, just kind of showing that we are consistent no matter what the market is. Yeah. That's really good. So now you're sitting in at a dining room table or living room table, Matt, and you've done your prep. Um, what have you, what kind of, what are you encountering in this situation and what's something that you feel you need to be prepared for in terms of preparing your clients to walk through the process in the way you want it walked through. Does that make sense? Like, what are you, what are you needing to, to do at that dining room table in order to have things go well? Yeah. Well, off the bat, even in the market that we're in right now, I am um, very diligent in managing expectations. Um, because there's no there's no guarantees even in this market, right? So I'm I'm never using language that you know we're gonna for sure have ten offers or twelve offers or it's gonna be subject free or anything like that because you never know for sure. And this one, you know, that I referenced before where we had conditions is a good example of that. You expect you know the majority of them to be subject free, and it wasn't the case in this situation. Um, so I'm managing expectations so that you know if something doesn't come in quite like we hope and anticipate, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a big shock. Um, you know, obviously you're, you're hoping for the best, but you just kind of, you know, manage that as I move along. But then once I'm there, um, you know, I'll keep my client up to date in the days leading up to it, you know, feedback, it looks like we're going to have offers as a realtor's talking about offers, but again, I'm never saying anything as a guarantee. Um, once offers start coming in, I'll let my client know, Hey, things are looking great. We got a number of offers coming in. I'm just, you know, organizing everything. I'll be there at seven o'clock kind of thing. Once I get there, um, yeah, I'm <laughs> my, how I operate is pretty much right down to business, but, uh, and I don't like to waste a lot of time. So I, again, I don't spend much time. If there's three offers that are $50,000 lower than all the other ones, you know, we're looking at the front page and the price and that's about it because there's just no point in, you know, spending four hours going through every word of, of 10 offers. But then we get down to the ones that are, you know, in clear contention and we're just basically, I go through them in order of lowest to highest. Um, but then if there's a couple at the top that are, you know, maybe one has subjects and one doesn't, then we're of course looking at all these finer details. And then we're basically determining, okay, what one do we feel the most comfortable with and want to work at? If there are two offers that are very, very close, you know, then we may, you know, call one or both and say, hey, look, you know, this is the situation. We got two offers that are very similar. You know, is there anything more your clients can do? I'm always a little bit hesitant doing that because I don't like to give 
I'm, I try and respect the buyers too, and don't like to give someone false hope if they don't actually have any hope. So I will lean more to if there's one we want to work with, but say it's a little bit lower, but it's subject free. Um, basically, you know, talking to with my clients, if these guys came up and matched this top number, you know, they would then clearly be the best offer. So we might call them and say, Hey, look, you know, there's things we like about your offer. Um, but this is the number you've got to be at and, uh, and see if we can't get them there to make them the best in, you know, every regard, price terms, dates, all that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's no, there's no one way to do it, but there's definitely some ways that are better than others. And do you find you have to be careful with your language? Like when you're making those calls to an agent saying, Hey, um, you know, you're one of the top three, but we need some improvement here, improvement there. I have felt sometimes in those moments, like you, you got to be careful with your language. I, I imagine you feel the same. I feel a hundred percent the same because I've been on the other side of the fence where an agent makes it seem like if you hit a number, you got it. Right. And it's not the case. Yeah. And it's a lousy feeling. Yeah. So I, my goal, like, and you know, I've based my, Andrew, you know me, and I based my whole business on this. I'm relationship driven in everything I do. And that means relationship, not with, with just with clients, but also with realtors. And maintaining that strong relationship with realtors is uh, a huge priority for me. Um, one, because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, but two, because it's also very, very good for business. Because when you're on the buyer side and you're dealing with realtors who know you and trust you, they're going to lean to you, um, you know, even if maybe you're not the best offer. So, yeah, in that situation where I'm on the selling side or on the, on, with the seller, um, I'm trying to be very respectful to the other realtors and not make any indication of something that's not actually a reality. Um, so that's where, again, you know, if, if there's one that we clearly want to work with, generally I'll only call one realtor. Um, you know, if there's two and they're basically identical, subject free, the price is the same. Yeah, we're going to call both and say, hey, look, this is a situation. Are you guys willing to do any more? Um, you know, we're going to review both once everyone's had a chance. But I'm completely transparent and upfront with what's going on. So no one has, yeah, a, a false picture of, of the reality. You just triggered it. Uh, you said a really interesting thing that I want to circle back to. And I want, I want to hear you both speak to it. And maybe Carrie, we'll start with you. Matt, you talked about relationship being relationship driven and you know you were specific in saying you know you you feel that way with the agents as much as you do your clients i'm asking this because i have had this thought in my head for a number of years and i've encountered situations which is what why i'm bringing it up do you ever feel like the desire to do well by an agent or to not give an agent that devastating feeling uh, stands in conflict with what you're trying to do for your client, which is do the best for them and get them the most money. So like sometimes it would be better to set somebody up to squeeze the most out, knowing full well that they got a 3% chance of getting it, but it's all working towards the goal for the seller. Have you ever had that, that conflict in your head or observed that or felt that? Carrie, maybe you, you want to tackle that easy question first. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm not a realtor, so that's kind of hard to answer, but I mean, our clients are obviously, I mean, I can't speak for Matt, but for me, my clients is number one. Um, that doesn't mean I don't want to work, you know, well with other realtors, but, um, 
Yeah. And I think you can do both. I think you can work well for your realtors and work well with your clients at the same time. Do you know what I mean, Matt? Yeah, I know what you mean. And uh, I personally don't think there's any conflict there because I have no issue giving a realtor bad news. I have no issue, um, you know, getting the most for my client. Um, But I think you can do all of that if you're acting honestly and transparently. And I know for my clients, they, if they, if I sat at their table and was feeding BS to a realtor on the phone to jack the price, they would lose respect for me. They hire me because they know they can trust me a hundred percent. And, and trust is something that takes years to gain and can be lost in a moment. And once it's lost, you can't get it back. So I believe 100% that my clients, when I'm sitting at their table, they have me there because they know they can trust me 100%. I take that responsibility extremely seriously. And so if they sat and listened to me, you know, telling some white lies on the phone to another realtor, <laughs> you know, how can they trust me then, right? Like if, if I'm going to, you know, falsify something to another realtor, Who's to say I'm not doing that to them or another client, right? So I think as long as you're authentic in who you are and how you operate, I think my clients respect how I go about doing things um, because that trust is there. And, you know, you can you can be in a situation where you got two strong offers and you squeeze an extra five or ten out and do it very ethically, very transparently, and you, it's basically a win-win, right? The clients are happy because they got a little bit more. You are confident you maximized it and you didn't, you know, give up your integrity um, for a thousand bucks. I think the key, what we talked about before is in those moments, it's your language. You got to be so careful with how you phrase things uh, and what, how you can be perceived in the way you're talking. And I I think you're bang on. You, you, you can do it. Sometimes it can feel like a bit of a type tightrope, but it can absolutely be done. And, uh, and your language is, is really key in those moments. Let's switch gears for a second. I want to talk about, you know, everybody right now, selling a house is, you know, not necessarily our biggest challenge. Finding homes for buyers is brutal because of what we're talking about. Um, take me through your process with a buyer right now. Um, you know, you're on the other side of the, the table now and you're the one that's, that's you know, whatever, one of 10 or one of 12. Um, what are some habits or things that you're doing or, or uh, ways you're talking to your buyers to help navigate this? Yeah, that's <laughs> the toughest part of this market, right? Like it's, it's great for a seller for, for the first 72 hours and then the, the switch flips. But uh, yeah, so again, Managing expectations, making sure clients are aware of the reality of what they're getting into um, and doing that before they even sell. And then they're in that situation and they're surprised. Right. So making sure everyone's, you know, knows what's going on on day one. But then, yeah, in, in situations where there's multiple offers, um, you know, I talked about earlier relationship with realtors. So I think that is key because I've, I've seen it where I've had clients in multiple where realtors have given us a shot, even though we had no business getting that shot, um, because they knew that it would be a smooth deal. Um, so that is that is one you know thing that that can help in this market is having those strong relationships. 
But yeah, everyone's in the same boat right now. If you got 10 offers on a place, something that I, you know, I scour for stuff that maybe, maybe didn't like, there's the odd house deal that it won't go multiple and it's, and maybe they price it a bit high or whatever happened. Right. But there can be the odd house where the plan was offers on Monday, you call them Tuesday morning, they happen to not get something and you can jump in there. Um, another thing I really look at in this market is if, if the client's price point allows it is new construction. Uh, because the builders, generally, you're not dealing with multiple offers. They want everyone to buy one of the houses to sell at the whole site. And uh, and so, you know, that can be an area where you can get out of the competitiveness. But again, it obviously depends on client's budget and price point and what they're looking for. Um, so, yeah, it's it's trying to find other avenues where you can sometimes get out of dealing with 10 offers. But if you are dealing with those 10 offers, yeah, it's just being upfront with the clients, what's going on, um, trying to really evaluate what other multiple offer homes have gone for in the in the weeks leading up to that to try and get a gauge of where things are really at because the comps are not a good indication because the market's moving so quick um, and trying to kind of put all those pieces together to put your best foot forward. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, there's been places that have 20 offers which means one gets it and there's 19 that are looking at the next one and they all have that information and education that it went subject free a hundred grand over list price. So it kind of then sets the bar again on the next go around. So right now um, you hit on something that I think is a good question to ask. If a last comparable sale of a particular property, just for the sake of the conversation, let's say was a million dollars and it was four weeks ago, or three weeks ago. Let's say it was on this side of Christmas. Let's say it was right after Christmas. And there's been nothing else like that since. And the last time it came up, there was whatever, 10 offers. How are you helping your buyers land on a value for what this next one should sell for if you're one of the competing ones? No, having all that information, knowing the last sale was a million, there's nothing else like it, and you're going to be up against 10, 15 offers. I would look at other price points to be able to show them the the jump in the last three, four weeks. So I might look at stuff that, you know, three months ago was 750 and now it's selling for 850 or stuff that, you know, was 1.1 and now is selling for 1.2. So I would try to use other data to show that even though the last comp is a million bucks in the last four weeks, there's evidence that the price has jumped, you know, 50 to 75,000 or whatever that number is. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be looking at other at other areas of the market to show where the increase has been and how that million dollars is no longer relevant. How are you handling inspections? See, and this is the issue in this market too, because I, uh, yeah, like I'm I'm a detail guy. I'm fairly cautious. Oh yeah, I this would like... this part would just kill you not doing all inspections. <laughs> I know. I don't like clients taking risk. And if they do take risk, I want it to be completely clear what they're getting into. I see you so, as yeah. that, Matt, I see you as that gunslinger who looks at the client and says, don't worry, this house is perfect. I can smell it. <laughs> you don't need to inspect it. <laughs> That's the exact opposite of me. But uh, so, you know, how I'm managing it is, is I'm making my client clear of the reality, right? So if, you know, if they're buying a house in East Abbotsford for a million bucks right now, and nine out of 10 of the last sales were, were subject free, they need to be aware of that. I'm, I am making it clear that, you know, you can write with subject to financing, you can write with subject to inspection, 
but they also are aware based on you know the education process that the likelihood of that being successful is quite low. Um, I also make it clear then if we are going to go down the road of waiving subjects that number one on financing, we've done absolutely as much due diligence as we can do ahead of time. And there's certain situations where I just, yeah, I, it, it's just too big of a risk. Um, but in some situations, if you know the broker well and you know they got backing and I will talk to clients about, you know, having other things lined up, like is there a potential that you could get a family member to help out with extra down payment or cosign or something. So trying to, solve all the problems before they come. And then on inspection, same thing, just explaining like, if you decide to waive this inspection, the the risk is on you. The law is buyer beware. And if something comes up that we could have found through a reasonable inspection, it's on you. And so I'm just making that crystal clear. I'm not sugarcoating anything. And of course, clients in this market will will decide to waive all that. Um, But they're never going to you know, come back after the fact and be like, I didn't know this, right? You you didn't explain this. So they have a very clear picture of what they're doing and we try to make the risk as, as calculated um, and mitigated as possible. But I hate it personally. Like I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great environment for sellers, but like, like I talked about before, the second you, you end up selling, then you're in this situation where you're in that, uh, in that mix, right? And so it's not, it's just such a stressful market for buyers that I sympathize with them. And whether it's a first-time buyer, you know, a buyer buying their second or third place or an older couple, whatever, right? Like, it doesn't really matter who you are. Like, it's just not a fun environment to be working in as a buyer. And so I try and empathize with them and lead them through it. But at the end of the day, there can be a lot of disappointment in this kind of market, right? Yeah, I have a I have a couple clients right now where we've put things on pause um not because they can't afford to buy or can't even afford to take the risk. They can, like they have the money, they are in a position to write subject free offers. But I think for some people uh this environment does not work with their psychological makeup. Like not everybody is going to be comfortable making a decision in a very fast you know, period of time. Um, and even though they could take the risk, they just don't want to do it. So then for that reason, with a couple of people, we've just said, Hey, you know what, we're, we don't need to do this right now. We're not doing this right now. And we're going to revisit it in, you know, six, nine, 12 months, whatever that is. And, and, you know, a person could say, well, there's risk with that because maybe the market continues to go up another, you know, 10, 15%. And we've had that conversation and they've actually made the decision that given their situation, they're more comfortable with that risk than they are the risk that's involved in buying a home in this environment and the pressure that's involved. Right. So to each their own. Yes. Um, Hey, I want to switch gears and we're going to drag, we'll get to hear from Carrie a little bit more. Carrie, you've been so quiet there. Well, you know, Matt's been dominating the conversation. Um, But uh, okay. So you guys, you've worked together for how many years? Oh my, I don't even know. Three, four, I don't even Two know either. Half, three, You've, three maybe. Yeah. You, three years, but you both got, Matt, when did you get licensed? 2012? 2000, 2011. 2011, and Carrie, you've been in this gig since what, 2008, seven, six, five? I don't even know. I think it was 2007, I want to say. I don't know, I've been with Remax for almost 15 years now. Yeah, and you and I even worked together one time. That was fun. Yes. <laughs> Um, 
So the point, the reason I bring this up is you guys have a ton of experience and you've worked together now for a number of years and you somewhere along the way in the last year and a half, I mean, I don't know, I'm going to let you talk here in a second, but you guys had this idea to, to start another business in addition to what you already do with selling homes. You're now doing something else uh, that uh, is directly related. So maybe Carrie, why don't you take the take the ball and run with it for a for a minute and and tell us what it is yeah so um yeah a few years ago i just wanted to kind of slow my life down a little bit and focus on you know my family and my own well-being and so i had joined matt just to be his assistant and um we started working together but then um as we were working together matt kind of discovered that an interest of mine was training. And so, um, while I was working for Matt, I was, you know, helping train other assistants in the office and then even helping a few agents just get set up with systems and some marketing. And, um, that conversation with me, Matt just kind of started growing. Um, and we really saw that there was a need for that out there. Um, and then Matt was a mentor to a couple of new agents in the office. And so, it just kind of kept building from there and we we went okay let's start something and let's help agents with systems and um, marketing and training and do it together um me and matt's personalities work really well together and we like each other i think so that <laughs> most works. days <laughs> <laughs> most, most days um but i think the the unique thing about it is we're not just starting this side business without that experience. I mean, me and Matt, you know, we went through growing pains of learning, you know, what he does as an agent and what I do for him as an admin and kind of finding that um, balance between us and running a, a smooth and consistent real estate business. And so being able to take that, what we're currently doing with Matt's real estate business and helping other agents find that balance with their home life or organization for their clients, whatever it might be. Um, so I think that's kind of the unique component because we're kind of doing both. Okay. So Carrie likes this because she likes training. Matt, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. Uh, I'm entrepreneurial at heart. So that's, that's some of it. I enjoy building something. Um, but I, Carrie and I both recognize the need for um, stuff like this. There's not a lot of people doing it or offering it. And so we, yeah, we both, I think, also have a passion for, yeah, helping other people. Um, we we both like to share if we have some wisdom to give or experience to give. Um, we're very open about that. We're not, you know, closed off with it. So I think it's it's multiple things. But yeah, I think it's the enjoyment of building something new, um, being the need and being able to then help realtors with that need. Um, I say, yeah, those would be the three, I think, driving factors. Okay. So a uh, couple high level points, name of the company, is it CEM Solutions or something like that? Is that right? CEM Solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And you are, I mean, I don't even have a complete grasp of it, but I know that you're, you've got, you're helping, uh, a number of agents in our office, some, I believe outside of our office, but you're, you're giving, is it fair to say you're giving people administrative assistant support 
that they otherwise wouldn't get unless they hired somebody full-time? Is that, is that kind of the gist or is that not even fully accurate? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. So we're doing like ongoing assistant help for some realtors. So, you know, realtors that may hire a 20 hour a week part-time assistant, um, we're able to help them out and they get the benefit of having someone available, you know, Monday to Friday, eight to four every day, as opposed to having someone in the office for a few hours at a time. Um, so we're doing that for some agents. Um, we have limited space on that. So we're, yeah, just cautious how quick we we grow that, but there's definitely need for that. And, and there's people who, who are in that middle range in their business where maybe can't justify their own full-time um, assistant, but need some help. And then we're also doing um, training for assistants who do have a full-time or training for realtors who have a full-time assistant. So helping them get fully set up so that they have all the systems in place that they need and, uh, and the, you know, their operations working smoothly. Um, and then, yeah, helping some realtors just get set up who, who don't have an assistant at all or they're on their own, um, but getting them set up with marketing materials, checklists, um, just to make sure that they're running their business efficiently uh, and smoothly and making sure that everything is looked after on every single deal that they do. And we've, and we've engaged you guys, you guys are helping us out with our onboarding at Little Oak now too, which is, which is awesome. So as new people come in, you're, uh, you're helping us transition them into our way of living, which, which I can, I mean, we've done it, uh, we've just started, but it's, I think it's going to be an awesome thing moving forward. Yeah. What is the, you, you've seen, I mean, in your vast experience and I mean, in your journey and your career, Matt, and then Carrie with your experience with a number of different agents, uh, I want to ask first. An agent who's like, let's say, not brand new, but newer in the business and, you know, maybe has done 10, 12 transactions a year, maybe a touch more, but they're still, you know, they're, they're, they're young in, in the industry. Is there a thing that jumps out on a regular basis where you go, though, that type of person needs to figure this out? Is there something that comes to mind, Carrie? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I get, um, like, wanting agents to just throw at me is their database. And it's those foundations at the beginning for, like, customer service and their database. And they almost wait just a little bit too long. And then then they go into panic mode. They don't have any way to track potential buyers or sellers. They don't have any way to have customer service carry on past completion. Um, And they don't have a database set. Um, organize that they can do newsletters if they want or, you know, a Christmas gift or things like that. But at that point, it's really hard to go back, you know, if a seller sold, where did they move to? And do we have up-to-date contact information? Is this an old email? So it's really hard to go back and do it all. But agents miss that step at the beginning um, because, you know, they've got four people, five people, and, you know, it's not on their forefront because at that point it's manageable. But all of a sudden, a year, two years down the road, that database is no longer manageable because it's not just four or five people. And you haven't talked, and, and I'll, sorry to cut you off, but like they probably also haven't been in touch with yeah. someone since they've moved into their home. Yeah. <laughs> so they've fulfilled <laughs> the image of picking up the commission check and disappearing. Yes. And so it's hard to backtrack that. Like I get agents saying, well, I want to have a birthday system now. And I'm like, okay, but did they receive any sort of a birthday thing in the last five years or two years or however long it's been? 
Um, so just kind of drilling into, you know, Matt and both of I, we've had conversations with new agents just getting into it and we're always stressing to them, build your foundation now. Like it may seem like too much or, or overkill for the amount of leads you have, but just start your foundation now. Pick two or three things that you're going to consistently do for your clients, um, for customer service or, you know, the system of how you go through a sale or, or a purchase. Um, so we're just always drilling, like, get the foundation set now. That's really good. What about, so Matt, the opposite. So, and you, I mean, you fit into this category. You're you're not in that stage anymore. You've experienced a, a great amount of success. And you could say, well, you have your foundation, you've got your systems. Maybe I should ask this to Carrie, but what is <laughs> what is something that you need to figure out? And, you know, you either haven't mastered or, or just something where you go, you know what, I got to tackle that. I need to be better there. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got him. I got him. That's amazing. I haven't gotten him yet. Uh, what is something that, yeah, I think for me, oh, that's yeah, a tough one to answer. Um, you want me to call your wife? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Jen? Get no, Jen's uh, number. Yeah, I think a few things. I think um, I I know I could do better at um, you know kind of lukewarm leads at uh, at developing them through better because um, you get you get busy and you focus on what's you know in front of you. And I'm I'm very diligent in in follow up with clients and clients who have sold a year, two, three years ago. So that's that's not an issue. But it's yeah, the kind of the lukewarm clients who um, probably aren't going to do anything for a year or two, just having proper follow-up. Because you always want them, of course, to feel heard and that you're there and available, right? So I think that would be one thing. Um, Yeah. And, oh, yeah, that's that's a good question. Go ahead. Yeah, like, I think for for Matt, I mean, it might not, this is kind of going off your question a little bit, but like, about a year to two years ago, I can't remember, but Matt was at the stage with me that he was like, okay, I've got this down pat. Now I want to push a little bit further. And that's when, that's when me and Matt put different things in place. So we built a buyer information book for him. Um, then we built a seller marketing book for him. And then we built different templates, whether it's a newsletter template, then we put in the seller update. So every week we send you know, custom seller updates. So Matt kind of got to that point a couple of years ago where he's like, okay, I'm good. I've got these, you know, foundations and systems down. Now I just want to step it up a little bit more. Um, and that's been really neat because it's, it's consistent. No matter what the seller is getting that every week, even if we are slammed, busy, it doesn't matter. We made that decision. It's going out to our sellers. Um, so we kind of, I don't know, Matt, maybe I'm off topic, but I feel like we kind of fit, figured that kind of stuff out a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I agree. And <laughs> I felt like, yeah, I have to answer, right? Andrew, I'll say sound arrogant if I got everything well, in place. Right? I, but, uh, I, don't, I don't think like, okay, so I'll just, I'll let you answer. But I, I think it's totally possible to be at a place where you say, you know what? I like, I'm dialed. We got a dial. I mean, this is why... <laughs> You guys, like I, I, you didn't hear this, but before I called you, I did a bit of an intro for this call, like a very short one. But one of the things that I admire about you guys is, and I, and I, I think this is why we're, we're at this point of the conversation is that 
you know, you are very precise with everything you do. And so because you think through everything and because you have this level of precision, I do think it's, you know, there's a reason why you don't land in a lot of times in your career and go, oh shit, what am I doing? I'm lost. Like, I just don't think that's on the radar for you. But I think that maybe one of the reasons why you're doing this new business is because you've mastered a lot in your sales career and you want a new challenge. And so I think it is fair, Matt, to say that, you know, you've got everything figured. And I know how you, you feel like that might sound, but um, unless you all of a sudden decided you wanted to build a team and try to sell 150 houses, which I don't think you want to do, <laughs> unless you tell me otherwise, maybe you are good where you're at. I don't know. Go ahead. I cut you off. Yeah, no. And, and I think you're bang on. Like, I don't have the, I really value balance in my life. I don't want to work 24 seven. Um, so I don't have the desire to sell a hundred houses a year. Um, and you know, more power to the people who are out there doing that and pounding it. And I listened to your interview with, uh, Dave Bowow and, uh, like, man, that guy hustles by the sounds of it. I don't know him at all, but, uh, I respect people who are doing that and, and grinding that hard and getting things rolling. But I, I am quite, you know, over the last 10 years where, we've built this business to, I am quite content with kind of the level it's at. And uh, so, you know, I don't have that grand vision to double the volume I'm doing or anything like that. Um, where I'm at allows me to have decent balance in my life and still have a successful business. And now this other venture is a, is a neat thing to, you know, get those entrepreneurial juices flowing and, uh, and build something new as well at the same time. And because we have these systems that Carrie has done so much to set up um, in place, it does allow a little bit of freedom and time, right? So we, we do have those systems rolling well and everything goes forward as planned and we just kind of work the plan and keep moving ahead. Yeah. And I think we, I think we really tried to fine tune what we were doing with Matt's business. Cause I think, I think a lot of realtors with that business side that they have, it's like they want to try so many things and they want to do so many things, but just, you know, taking a step back and going, okay, what do we want to do consistently? And what do we want to do? Well, no matter the market, no matter if it's crazy busy and we don't have time, it's still going to get done or whether it's completely slow and just kind of fine tuning what works, what doesn't, and what we want to do every week, every month, every year for our clients and just leaving it at that. That doesn't mean we don't grow and adapt to, you know, new technologies and new changes. But I think the key for us is just finding, you know, what consistently works for our clients and for us. Are you binge watching anything right now on Netflix or Amazon or what? I powered through uh, the office again because I thought it was going to go off uh, on January first, but uh, <laughs> and then they extended it. The yeah, they extended it. So <laughs> yeah, I got through the whole series again in the fall and uh, and leading up to January one. So that was pretty good. What about you, Carrie? What are you watching? Well, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't know if I want to share. Oh, you have to share it now. What is it? <laughs> well, everyone keeps saying I need to try Bridgerton, oh, so I started that goodness. last night. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought my wife was watching a porno when she was lying in bed next to me watching that. 
<laughs> Everyone uh, keeps saying it's amazing. So Brad was busy yesterday <laughs> doing some fishing stuff. So I was like, I'm going to try this out. <laughs> I don't quite know if it's going to be something I binge. I don't know. I'm not, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> yeah. I've, it's a, uh, it's, it's a very, very popular show. I started, <laughs> uh, I started Yellowstone. Uh, oh, yeah. Kevin Costner, Montana, modern Montana ranchers. Uh, okay. very, very, I love it. Like I'm, I'm just, I can't like my wife and I are both into it. We're like, you know, pounding at least a couple episodes late at night, every night. So okay, good to know. it's total, nice. total binge worthy material. <laughs> hey guys, we hit, we've hit 45 minutes and your time is valuable. And I so sincerely appreciate, um, you taking the time that you did and, uh, I'm going to let you go, but I want to say thanks and you're awesome. And I, uh, I really enjoyed our time. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. We'll see you around soon. Okay. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. Matt Tinsley, Carrie Ball, awesome people. Uh, just a dynamic team, incredibly well-matched and, um, yeah, they, they run an incredible real estate operation and then they got this great new business that they've started. Um, like I said, in our conversation there that, you know, on a, on a brokerage level, we've began to utilize them in some of our onboarding processes when new people join us because, um, you know, they've just, they know the little Oak way of living and, uh, and we love how they do it. So we're using them in some of that. And then they're offering their services to, to agents. Um, and if you want to find out more about that, obviously you can reach out and have those conversations. So Nice to do this with you again, everyone. Hope you have a great day. Sun's coming out and uh, I think I might get outside. So we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.